Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. No Mike Leach press conference today as it is an open date. Not sure if we're even going to have media availability this week. Not sure. And, and that's not atypical. I don't want anybody to read anything into that. But uh, a lot of times they give the players time off from us in addition to everything else when they have the bye week. Of course, they'll still practice. But without a, an opponent to prepare for or preview, there's not, there's no really no sense in us interviewing Will Rogers and those guys about Auburn two weeks before the game. That's not to say that the Bulldogs won't be implementing their game plan and doing some film review. That's already begun. They'll have two weeks to kind of prepare for Auburn. And speaking of Auburn, you're happy to know that Mississippi State and Auburn will be a 6:30 kick on ESPN two. So nighttime football at Davis Wade Stadium. We have not had the opportunity to have that great nighttime environment this year. You said, but Steve, I'm all right. You guys were around for Memphis. Remember we were going to kick it off. We were so excited to have nighttime football in September. And we had the lightning and rain delay. It ended up being uh, Sunday morning football. Right, man, how crazy it was. And, and even though we won that ball game and played pretty well, it wasn't a great atmosphere when the game got going again, because many of you left. And that's not in any way being critical. It's just the reality of life. So hopefully we can navigate through this uh, next ball game without any weather delays, and we can have a good time. So you'll have all day to be here, have a chance to tailgate with friends and family. And Mississippi State's making it easier for you to be here, perhaps than ever before. They announced today a couple new ticket-buying packages that are available to you. You can come to the Auburn game and bring three of your friends and get a parking pass for 99 bucks. That's an amazing deal. And that's we're going to need you here. And I think, again, it shows the administration's doing what they need to do to get people here. So four tickets and a parking pass for $99 to watch the Bulldogs play Auburn on Saturday night. Not this Saturday, but next Saturday. That is a great deal. Now, in addition to that, you say, Steve, it, it couldn't be any better than this. Oh, it gets better. Many of you that listen to the sound of my voice, and maybe even four tickets for 99 bucks, is a bit pricey for you. Maybe it is. I'm not judging. There have been times in my life that I've been there. The thought of having to spend $100 and then have to buy our body snacks and pay for gas, it's a lot. I, I get it. East Tennessee State. Maybe you've never brought your kids to a game. Maybe you've never had the opportunity to do it. Maybe you just couldn't afford it. Mississippi State's going to make it easy for you. East Tennessee State, 
We don't know the time for that game yet, but I'm told that we're done with 11 o'clock. Could be a 3 p.m. kick. Could be a night kick. Who knows? The fact that it is an SEC Network Plus game means that Mississippi State can kind of set the time there. I suspect John Cohen and them have probably already made some decisions about that. It just won't be announced for the week. But you can bring your family. You get four tickets and a parking pass for $40. That's incredible. And even if you were thinking, I'm just going to watch it at home, all of a sudden you got a chance to be here and have somewhere to park for 40 bucks. That's a great deal. Be sure and check those out. Of course, the Georgia game is already sold out. Mississippi State's only got four games left. Three of the four are at home. The Georgia game sold out. Auburn game kind of trending in that direction. But they're going to make it a little bit easier to get a capacity crowd here. And, and the time is conducive. The price is conducive. Come out and join us, if you will. The Bulldogs need you here. That's a huge game of Mississippi State season. we got to beat Auburn. And we need as many cowbells clanging as we can possibly get. So be sure and, and come out and be a part of that. I think you'll be glad you did. And for many of you, maybe this gives you a chance at a twofer. You know, maybe you can come to Auburn and East Tennessee State. We encourage you to do that anytime that you get a chance to pack the car, make some memories with your kids. It's a wonderful thing. And I get it. You know, you got to get nachos for everybody. I understand. But Mississippi State making that more affordable uh, perhaps than ever before. So be sure and check it out today. Four for 99 and a parking pass for Auburn. Four and a parking pass for 40 bucks for East Tennessee State. We need you here. The Bulldogs need you here. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I might do Bulldog Burger Company for dinner. I might. I've been on the road a little bit here as of late. You know how it is when you get home sometimes. You, you, just, you, know, you don't want to run back to town or whatever. I'm kind of getting a hankering for some Bulldog Burger Company. And it's one of those cravings that only Bulldog Burger Company can cure, right? You know, sometimes you think, hey, I kind of feel like I, I want a casserole or I want to get a brisket sandwich. And a hot dog is not going to satisfy that. Sometimes I just want to sit down and have that great restaurant, quality hamburger, and those fabulous fries from Bulldog Burger Company. I can't get that anywhere else. And neither can you. But you can get it at one of three great locations, University Drive here in Star Vegas, with that great new patio area. Be sure and come check it out today. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and of course, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridgewood Flowood area. Be sure and go check them out. You'll be glad you did. Get the spring rolls as your appetizer. They will make you better looking. It's in writing now, and you know if it's in writing, it's got to be true. Get that chocolate shake to go. It's a, that's a nice benefit right there. A lot of places you want to have a dessert, but you don't want to hang around for it. Yeah, I, I'd say when maybe you're about 10 minutes left in your meal, maybe let your server know, hey, we're going to get a chocolate shake to go. And then you can take dessert with you. How about that? That is a great benefit. Most people can't provide that. Bulldog Burger Company can. Be sure and go check them out today. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's talk about this Alabama game. Listen, I'm not going to have a pity party here. I told you guys my feelings. Yes, we're 5-3. and three. Yeah, Yes, we're 5-3. and three. No, I didn't expect to beat Alabama. This is about where I thought we'd be, but with more information available to me, it's not where I hoped we'd be. I hoped we'd be 6-2. and two. Because I've been upset for a year now, we'll beat Kentucky. We didn't. And I still contend to you that you know, Kentucky beat us. LSU would beat ourselves, Kentucky beat us. And then you see what LSU did this weekend, and you begin to realize we were fortunate to get them early. 
and we didn't take advantage. But I'm not going to relive that. We're going to talk about this Alabama game. Interesting game in some respects, but the outcome I don't think was ever really in question. I do think State came out to win the game, though. I think when you look at the decisions to go for it on fourth down, some of the play calling, I think State came to win the game. I don't think Mike Leach ever thought, well, let's go there and just try to keep it close. I, I don't believe that. It didn't work out for us, but I don't believe that was our mentality. So let's start. Mississippi State uh, wins a toss and likes to receive. I think that's probably the right thing to do, especially if you feel like you've got a pretty good script together and maybe you can go down and get a quick score and start cultivating a little belief in your team. Well, Rodgers is incomplete to Caleb Ducky. Now, let me tell you this, too. Before we even get too deep into this, this is broken up by Eli Riggs. I've not went back and watched the game. But the Alabama stat crew, you talk about a bunch of homers. Oh, my gosh. Every incompletion. They were trying to find a way to award somebody a PBU. There was one time that Will just throws the ball away into the turf. And Are we sure that ball wasn't tipped? No. No, Bubba, it wasn't. It wasn't tipped. He's out there all by himself. He just throws it away safely to avoid a grounding call and to avoid an interception. No, there wasn't a PBU. There was another time Will throws the ball out of bounds, and there was nobody in reasonable superhero strength and they're trying to find a way to give somebody a PBU. So, in, so let me, I say that to say this. When you see these Alabama stats, take it all with a grain of salt. Those guys were a joke. They are. I mean, honestly, I know it's a minor thing in the end. It doesn't affect the outcome of the game. But, you know, at the end of the year, when, when these lazy sports writers are all getting ready to pick their all-SEC team, they're going to rely on stats. And the folks at Alabama are padding the stats. And I don't care. Come after me if you want to. I don't care. It's a fraud. It really is. And, and that's the thing is Alabama doesn't need the help. The guys are great athletes. And we're padding the stats. It's stupid. Anyway, PBU by Eli Ricks. Second and 10, we give to Woody. And, again, we're facing some three-man fronts here. Just had this discussion over on the jeanspage.com message boards. We're seeing some light boxes early in this quarter. And, as a result, State's running the football. Alabama adjust, walk a guy down, Forces throw the football a little bit more, but we had some success running the football earlier. And I thought it said a little bit about Leach here to say, hey, you know what, Woody, in my offensive line, Dollar Bill, I know you're about 80%. LaQuinson Sharp isn't here. Stephen Lasoya, you've never been a college center until like a week ago. I believe in you guys. Let's go get it done. And I thought Woody ran the ball hard. I really, I, I'm a Woody Marks fan. He runs for six here, brings up a third and four, and uh, we go back to him. It's third and four, and we don't get it, and it's close. We act like we're going to go for it. In hindsight, we probably should have. Now, of course, in a scoreless ball game, if you don't get it there, I mean, you're basically just gifting them a score. And then we wind the clock down and we burn a timeout. <clears throat> That's a thing I don't understand. Why do we burn a clock? Why do we take it all the way down and then waste a timeout just to punt? I, you know, I, I don't I don't agree with that. And then George Geropolis, or George Ger, it's George Geropolis. George Georgiopolis. I'll get it right at some point. George will be graduating. 44-yard punt, 22. Um, Kool-Aid McKinnistry gets it at the 22. And Kool-Aid McKinnistry, State tested him too. And there were times he was all over the Bulldog receivers, and we just couldn't get a call. Uh, we'll talk about that later. 
All right, Alabama takes over at their 22. Jameer Gibbs runs for a two-yard loss. Right out of the chute, Jet Johnson, this Bulldog defense, really determined to stop this Alabama running game. Swing pass out of Jameer Gibbs gets seven, and then it's incomplete to Roydell Williams on third and five. Fourth and five Alabama punts. It's a 51-yard punt, and then there is an illegal formation. Mark that down. That's Alabama's first penalty of the game. And you remember how undisciplined they've been all year long, right? They run discipline in this ballgame, too. They just weren't held accountable for it. But here they are. They're flagged for illegal formation. Fourth and ten, we make them punt again. So instead of a 51-yard punt, it's a 50-yard punt. And um, we get it in our 28. In the end, the net result was not much different. But Alabama flagged for an infraction. Remember that. All right, State takes over to 28. First and 10, we go go to Woody. Again, we're seeing a light box. As a result, we'll check it into the running play. Woody goes for three. We go back to Woody for seven. Gives us a first down. On first and 10, we try to run up the middle, and uh, uh, Toa Toa got to us. He did. Nice play there. It looked a little bit worse than it was because it wasn't Woody being pitched back there. It was one of our offensive linemen kind of tripping backwards over the pile. All right, second and 10, we go to Tulu for 12 for a first down. First and 10, we go to Jaden Wiley across the middle for four. Simeon Price, and you've heard us talk about Simeon in camp, about what a good camp he's had. And and, uh, Mike Leach has kind of confirmed that with his own comments. But Simeon is kind of emerging as a high-caliber third back. And now with DJ out for a little bit, we do expect DJ back for Auburn, at least we hope so. Simeon stepped up. Simeon gives you three here on second six, brings up a manageable third and three, and we go right back to the redshirt freshman. Simeon Price for six, and it moves the chain. We go back to Woody now from the 37-yard line. Uh, We run left for one. Then we're complete to Austin Williams, gives us a first down at the Alabama 22. Right now I'm thinking we're going to put this ball in the end zone. Incomplete to Tulu. They credit Kool-Aid McIndustry for a PBU here. I had to go back and look at it. And then we're, we're incomplete to Tulu again. Brings up a third and ten. We go to Woody here. It's an obvious passing down, but we, we take it here, and I think it's because we knew we were going to go on fourth if we didn't make it. And many people thought we should kick a field goal here. Based on how we've kicked them, you're probably, you know, probably a little bit too conservative. And you're not going to beat Alabama by kicking field goals. you got to go put this ball in the end zone. Plus, I think there was a, a real sense of urgency for the Bulldog offense because for the past two years – we have not scored offensively. We've not scored a touchdown against those guys. So third and 10, we give it to Woody, who fights ahead for seven, gets to the 15. We elect to go for it on fourth and three, basically run a five-yard curl here. Will makes the right read while he runs the right route. And then DeMarco Hallams climbs his back, and we don't, we, we don't make the catch. Now, I'll tell you, Jaden should have made the catch here. We let the ball get in a little bit too, too tight on us there. If you catch that ball with your hands, it's a first down. We don't make a play here and give Helms, I guess, credit for breaking it up because he did deliver a pretty good shot there on the backside of Wally. But, you know, we got to make that play. I mean, think about it. If, if you make that play, now all of a sudden it's basically a first and goal or right at a first and goal situation. You got a chance to cash one in. I mean, not to say we'd have won the ball game, but the complexion of this game changes a good bit here if State goes up 7 nothing. 
You turn it over at their 15. This, this box score, again, the Alabama people put us together. All right, so we're, they're complete to Jace McCallum for 11. And I'll say Tyrus Wheat was, was held, held more than a child holds its blanket throughout this ballgame. I don't know if I can stomach watching this game again. All right, first and 10, they, go, they, they rush McClellan for three. Second and seven, they're complete to Ja'Cory Brooks for 40. And this is one here where, you know, this is where we could not get Bryce Young on the ground. He bought time, bought time, bought time, and then finds Brooks kind of streaking back there behind. He matched up with a safety. Sean Preston couldn't get there. All right, for, and of course, this is – I believe this is um, – yeah, Matthews wasn't out yet. All right, first and 10, Bryce Young then complete to JoJo Earl for nothing. Decan with a nice open field tackle there. Bryce Young incomplete to uh, Lot Cameron Lot to Jordan Davis in his face. Brings up a third and ten. You're thinking, okay, let's get off the field here. Similar situation unfolds. Bryce Young has all day to throw. And at some point, the coverage breaks down. And he throws the guy open in the end zone. It's JoJo Earl for a 31-yard touchdown. And even though it was 7-0, it was basically backyard football for Alabama. The majority of these plays really came because of the athleticism of Bryce Young because he was able to buy time and allow his guys to work open. They get us. The extra point is good. They kick off and Tulu returns at 28 yards to the state 35. Pretty good job of execution there. And you felt like, hey, maybe Tulu could make a play in this ballgame. Nice return to kind of get us going. And the first quarter is almost already over, guys. We take over here with 3.50 to go in the quarter. We're incomplete uh, to Rai-Rai, McKenna Street. Kool-Aid gets another breakup. I, I, I would love – whoever's counting those breakups for these guys, I wish they'd count my money, really. All right, second and ten, we go to Woody, and he runs off left side for six. That brings up a third and four. One of the best block plays of the night happened on third and four. Simeon Price, inside give, off the right side. He runs for 12. And ran with some authority, which you like to see that from a young guy. You want this guy to feel like, ah, oh, we can play with these guys. And Simeon Price, if anybody had a chance, you know, maybe a, an excuse to be a little bit maybe timid in this ballgame, it'd be a young guy like him. But he wasn't. He ran the ball with some authority. First and 10 out near midfield were complete to Rufus for seven, which moves it to the Alabama 40. Now stayed on the move again. And at this point – I was kind of joking with Steph from Clarion Ledger a little bit. And I say, like, oh, hey, State's moving the football here. And State's kind of doing it within the flow of their own offense, whereas I think Alabama just kind of out-talented us on that scoring drive. I think State's kind of moving the football the way they want to move the football. All right, second – excuse me, second and first and ten, we go back to – we get a Rufus here who gets seven to the Alabama 40, brings up a second and three. We're complete to Price across the middle for one, which makes it third and two. And then we go back to Price, and we decide to run up the middle, and Dallas Turner and those guys meet us. No gain there. Fourth and two. Big play in the ballgame, or so it seemed at the time. It's fourth and two. We run the option play with Will Rogers, and Will keeps. I think the defender there got kind of caught in no man's land. I think it's – no matter what Will does there, if he pitches or goes, we probably get the first down. But the unnecessary pitch, no point in making it, right? So Will runs for three. We get the first down. And then we're complete to Rara for nine to the Alabama 27. The quarter runs out. State's down seven and on the move. 
And you're beginning to think, okay, maybe, maybe we can make this thing interesting. And on second one, we're incomplete to rah rah, and I'm, I'm okay with this. On second one, you, know, you, you take a shot because you feel like you can get it on third down. We elect to pass on third down. We go towards rah rah, and again, they say it's broken up by Kool Aid McKinnistry. Fourth and one, we decide to go again, and this is one of those challenge your manhood type plays. We give it to Woody, he fights ahead for two. Now it's first and 10 at the Alabama 25. So back-to-back drives by state to get deep in Alabama territory. We didn't get in the red zone this time, but we're deep in Alabama territory. And you feel like, hey, maybe we can make a game of this. First and 10, we're incomplete to Justin Robinson. Second and 10, one of the only times they didn't award a PBU. Uh, Second and 10, we run Simeon up the middle again. Will Anderson, those guys are there. And again, they're adjusted here in the second quarter. They're adjusting their fronts. They're walking a guy down. They're not just going to sit in a three-man front and let us run off tackle. Brings up a third and 11, and we're incomplete to Rufus, and again, broken up by Brian Branch. True or untrue, I have no clue. Because again, the stats do not necessarily reflect what actually happened in the game. Fourth and 11, we try Massimo out there, and a 43-yard attempt is no good. You get something there. You feel somewhat rewarded, not just because of the fact that you, you don't have that big goose egg up there, but you've put together two successful drives and you haven't been able to finish. Alabama then comes right back down and scores. And at this point, I think we all kind of feel like the game is probably over. I mean, it's a shame to say that, but the way that State has been so anemic offensively against Nick Saban under Mike Leach, you kind of felt like two scores might do it. Right, Bryce Young complete to Roydale Williams for four. Brings up a second six. A nice little pass play here to Ja'Cory Brooks, who gets 16 decam on the tackle. Ball's already out near midfield. First and 10, the Alabama 46. They, they flag us for roughing the passer. The ball is incomplete, and they flag us for roughing the passer on Jordan Davis. Now, this is not within the spirit of the rule. Now, the argument that I'll make if you're Jordan Davis, don't shove him. Okay, don't shove him. Jordan kind of shoves him and then tries to grab him to keep him from falling down. And like a great actress, Bryce Young goes right down. Just falls right down on the play. They get to 15 yards. And, you know, listen, it's going to be third and six. There's no guarantee we get off the field here. But third and six, excuse me, uh, it had been second and ten. But um, – Second 10 compared to the first and 10 is a much different deal because, again, this puts the ball at the state 39. Or the 40. I'm lost here. My notes are lost. All right, first and 10, they run off right side with Gibbs. He gets five. One of the biggest runs of the night for him, they also flag us for offsides. So they, rather than take the play, they take the penalty. So it nullifies the game there. It makes it first and five from our 34. And then we're incomplete. And guess what? They tag Jackie Matthews. Now – this was a textbook call. It was absolutely the right call. And it was also unnecessary because the kid missed the ball, right? Jackie knows better, and we need Jackie out there. But it was absolutely the right call. I think everybody saw it recognized. You hated it, but the reality of it is it's a pretty easy review for the officials there. And, again, we're kind of imploding here. The roughing the passer was a, was a bad call, but, again, Take it out of their hands. Don't shove him. And then the targeting play. It's 30 yards and penalties on this drive. 
And then right after the review, Jimmer Gibbs runs off right side 19 yards for the touchdown. Basically untouched. Extra point is good. It's 14-0. And now you're without Jackie Matthews, who is uh, arguably your best safety. And you've just had some bad plays here. You know, bad. I mean, I look at this drive again. I, I missed this one. You know, that, well, I didn't miss it, but the offsides. So you've, it's 35 yards and penalties on this drive. 35 yards. They kick it off. Tulu runs it out to the state 20. Perfectly okay with that. Even though we don't make 25, I want Tulu to give, be given a chance all the time to run to return the kickoff. He fields it at six and gets 14 yards. I'm perfectly fine with that because he's electric, and you know at some point he's going to break one. All right, now it's 14-0 Alabama, and then State, after having two fairly successful drives, really does nothing here. I disagreed with going forward on fourth down here. I did, and maybe you feel like you can't stop them. Maybe you got to go. We're complete to Wiley for four, and then we run Price off left side for five. And, again, I don't know if you're going to make a lot of hay running at the middle against Alabama. I think you've got to run off tackle. Maybe do some zone blocking type stuff just to kind of give the running back an opportunity to pick a hole there. But it brings up a third and one. I thought we would run for the football here. We didn't. We like to go to Caleb Ducking, and, again, it's broken up by Eli Ricks. I, I, I don't know. Uh, fourth and one, we decide to go for it. And again, we go to Jaden Wiley, and again, it's broken up by Brian Branch. I, I remember this play distinctly. At least I think I do. I thought he climbed his back. I thought it was P.I. They don't give us a call there. And this is fourth and one from our own 29. So you're giving Alabama the football there at your 29. And really, I think in many respects, this sounds kind of silly to say it in the second quarter, but it's almost like a white flag. It's almost like we know we can't stop you guys. we got to go out here and do it. And we don't get the call. First and 10, Young is deep to Treshawn Holden for 17, down to the state 12. Roydale Williams and runs for nothing. Bryce Young is then complete to Roydale Williams for six, which sets up a third and four. And then Treshawn Holden um, on the pass play there for a touchdown. It's 21 nothing. And now we thought the game was over at 14. I think we all knew the game was over here. And again, I do not agree with the decision to go for it from your own 29. You punt the ball, you make the football play, because we, and what happens if they muff it? They don't do it very often, but what if they do? Or what if you get a sack? What if you get a fumble? What if you get a pick? So instead of being two plays out of the ball game, you basically gift them the football at your 29, and now it's a three-score game. At this point, we all knew the game was over. And that's a terrible way to feel, but that's the reality of it. State gets the ball back with eight minutes to go in the second quarter. Uh, we're incomplete to Justin Robinson. Again, they say it's broken up by Eli Riggs. I think this one actually was. I know some people thought he dropped it. It was a back shoulder throw, if memory serves me correct. But I remember Riggs rakes it out there. Then there is a false start penalty on Jameer Calvin, and that, that's a kid right there. We really needed him to have a big year this year, and, and he just hasn't. Uh, second and 15, we hit Ra-Ra for eight. We need Ra-Ra to get going. We need Ra-Ra to get going. Ra-Ra is a guy that's capable of playing against Alabama, against LSU, against Tennessee, against Georgia. We need Ra-Ra to play up to his potential. Third and seven, we try to go back to Ra-Ra. Can't quite get there. Will Anderson credited with a hurry on the play. And then Archer Trafford comes through, 60-yard punt. Big-time punt here to the Alabama 12. Even the homers behind me with the stat crew were impressed. It's a great effort by Archer Trafford. All right, first and 10. 
Not much happens here. Jameer uh, Gibbs runs for a one-yard gain. Tyrus Weed on the tackle brings up a second and nine. Bryce Young an incomplete to Jameer Gibbs. Jalen Green gets a hand in there. And they review this for, if I'm not mistaken, they reviewed this for targeting too. And um, he hits him in the chest. So, of course, the Alabama stat crew behind me all felt like that not only should Jalen Green uh, be ejected from the ball game, but he should be, you know, suspended for the rest of the year and his first Melbourne child be prevented from playing football ever again. There are a lot of people that are involved in football that don't know the rules of football. And some of these people, unfortunately, work in football. This is one of them. And I made a little sarcastic comment. I'm not afraid to say it. And I said, well, you know what? Maybe you guys can award Jameer Gibbs a pass breakup on this. Because he did get his hand on the football, unlike some of those Alabama DBs that were credited earlier. But I digress. All right, third and nine. Pass complete to Jermaine Burton, who shouldn't be playing. I don't care what Nick Saban says. You're on the field and you hit some girl in the face. You should be suspended a minimum of one game. Well, you don't know the whole story, Steve. I don't need to see the whole story. I don't need to hear an explanation. I don't need to hear his reasoning. I don't need to hear his side of it. We have got to stop excusing negative behavior, not just in sports, but in life. If you walk up to some young lady, or really anybody, and you punch them in the face, and then you get to play football the next week, that sends the wrong message. I don't care about the rest of it. But, Steve, you don't know his background. Don't need to know it. Don't need to see it. There's no excuse for that behavior. And the fact that he played in a ball game, I think, is an indictment. Uh, and, and really, maybe where we are as a society. And I expect more from Nick Saban. I think we all – they didn't need Jermaine Burton to beat Mississippi State. What kind of message does that send to the rest of your team? I'm a huge fan of Nick Saban. We're getting to see the greatest college football dynasty in the history of, of the game in our lifetimes. But this is one of those situations where I absolutely degree, disagree with St. Nick. This kid had no business playing. And to be quite honest with you, I fought Greg Byrne a little bit here too. I think Greg Byrne's got to step in here and say, you know what, Nick? We can't do it. Anyway, it's first down. First and 10 at the Alabama 36. And Roydale Williams and runs for three off the left side. Second and seven. Complete the Gibbs for five. Brings up a manageable third and two. They find JoJo Earl for seven. And that's a kid, too, that's kind of unheralded, too. JoJo Earl is a really good player at Alabama. Uh, first and 10 out at midfield. Uh, incomplete, and then they flag us again for roughing the passer. I didn't get a good look at this, but I thought that Pickering swatted him in the helmet. I, I Again, I may be wrong because I can go back and watch it. I thought Pickering got him up high. I don't know that it was – maybe it wasn't intentional, but any time that you hit a quarterback after the throw is gone, you hit him in the head area, they're, they're going to flag you. And, and that's probably a good rule. But I, that's what I remember about this play. All right, first and 10 at our 34, and again, it's another you know Alabama drive aided by a penalty. Again, granted, it was first down. There's, not, I mean, there's no guarantee they can't you know, convert anyway. But you know we're, we're shooting ourselves in the foot and then reloading the gun. All right, first and 10, Gibbs runs off left side for three. Second and seven, McClellan then runs for a one-yard loss. Well, like running def- rush defense good in this ballgame. Again, you had that 19-yard run for Gibbs, but you really kind of kept those guys bottled up, even when the game still mattered. All right, third and eight, it's incomplete to, uh, to JoJo Earl. DeMonte Russell, a nice uh, blitz there, kind of forced the early throw. 
Uh, Will Racker comes through with the uh, field goal attempt, and it's good. It's 24 nothing now with 2.48 to go here in the second quarter. Will Rogers is in sacked on first down. They overloaded the right side there and came after him. And they did it a couple times, too. Sacked for a loss of five yards. Second and 15 were incomplete to Tulu. And, again, Kool-Aid McKinnistry with a breakup. I thought, I thought Kool-Aid might have actually been on the sidelines drinking Kool-Aid and then awarded by PBU. Again, I, I didn't go back and watch it. I didn't chart all these plays. But uh, Kool-Aid McKinnistry is a fine football player. He doesn't need anybody to help pad the stats. All right, third and 15, Will Rogers incomplete then. And uh, – Bama Blitz nearly gets home there. And then as great as Archer Trafford's previous punt was, this one was equally as horrible. 16 yards. Absolutely shanked to the MSU 45-yard line. We gained, We may as well have gone for it, right? I mean, basically the only difference between what happened in the previous drive when we went for it from our 29 and didn't get it is that we basically made them go 16 extra yards here. 157 to go, and uh, State actually does a pretty good job here defensively. Bryce Young is complete to Kobe Prentice for a two-yard loss. Complete again to Prentice for three yards. Third and nine, incompleted to Corey Brooks and picking uh, Tyrus Weed in there in his grill, and it forces a punt, and then one good shank deserves another. They shank the punt, too, only 21 yards. State takes over to 23 with the minute six to go. We actually put a, put a decent drive here together. We just weren't able, again, weren't able to cash in. Will Rogers complete to Rai for seven. Woody then runs for five, which moves the chain, gives his first and ten. Then Rogers is sacked for a two-yard loss. Now, in the old Tommy Frazier Nebraska days, that would be a run for loss. They changed the rules because Nebraska basically, you know, they used to brag about how Tommy Frazier had never been sacked, and this kind of stuff happened all the time. He would get tackled behind the line. It's, oh, that was a rushing attempt. No, it wasn't. Everything was a rushing attempt in the triple option. Then they'd roll him out there and give him the run-pass option. And if he ever got sacked, they'd say, oh, he just ran for negative yards. Stupid. They changed the rule, though. The will is actually sacked here for two yards. Timeout state with 20 seconds to go. One were incomplete to Justin. And nobody awarded a PBU here. So congratulations on that. Uh, third and two were complete to Austin Williams. Big throw, big catch, big play by the offensive line. Gives us a first down at the Alabama 46. We spike the football, and then we're complete to Rai Rai for seven. We call timeout three seconds to go, and maybe we're going to take a heave for the end zone here, but instead we get sacked. And I believe they I believe they brought four here. I think they showed three and brought four. And they sack us. It's 24 nothing. Really the only question at this point, having to hire a new employee sometimes is the absolute worst, Right. We've all been there. If you've got your own small business, I mean, you're, you're trusting your livelihood. You're trusting your baby, your blood, sweat, and tears with somebody perhaps you don't know very well. That's why you got to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. How cool is that? I mean, times in the past, I've made hiring decisions when I was desperate for an employee been nice to have had a partner to help me screen through some of this and make sure that I get people that fit the specific skill set I'm looking for. It's so easy to go make a free ad today at LinkedIn. Maybe you should. And then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it much easier to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to actually meet, interview, and ultimately hire. 
It's important to have the right team. It's why every small business rates LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster than ever before. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash boneyard. That's linkedin.com slash boneyard to post your job for free. Some terms and conditions may apply. Is there we're going to score? Well, we begin the second half. Of course, we have to kick off here. I mean, let's be honest. Not that it really mattered. But the reality of it was is that uh, I think most people probably expected Alabama to go ahead and cash this uh, first possession, the second half in. And I think really this is a test for the Bulldog defense, right? I mean, this is about pride, toughness. You've been pushed around a little bit. You've been given the short end of the stick given the short end of the field, let's see if you can go out here and make a play here. And I thought the Bulldog defense really stood up here because you know as well as I do, we weren't in the halftime locker room, but Nick Saban, I'm sure, told that team, let's go out here and put this thing away here on this first drive and get out of here. But that state defense is like, you know what, I'm going to give my guys a chance. And I credit Zach Arnett, Bookie Watson, Jed Johnson, all the leaders on the Bulldog defense for stepping up here, getting a good stop here, really played well in the second half. Bryce Young is flushed, and he lunges forward to get back to the line of scrimmage, or it would have been a sack. Jace McClellan then runs for two yards off the left side, brings up a third and eight, and it's, again, complete to Jermaine Burton, who had no business playing. Zero, zero, zero. First down. All right, first and ten, Jace McClellan then runs off left side for three. That's the thing about this Bama team, right? They, they just have so many talented backs. They just kind of come at you in waves. And they give those guys some carries over the course of their careers as young guys and really develop them. So when their time comes, they're ready to go. All right, second and seven, incomplete to Jermaine Burton, again, who had no business playing college football this past Saturday. Third and seven, it's uh, incomplete to Cameron Latu. Probably a catch he should have made. Fourth and seven, and we don't credit the state guy for PBU here. Uh, fourth and seven, they punt this 34 yards. It's inside the 20. So state takes over. So again, a nice early response by the Bulldog defense. And guess, yes, it's the 24th and ball game. It is. But I thought the defense came out and played like it was nothing, nothing. State takes over, of course, at our 19. We're incomplete to Rufus. Malachi Moore credited with a pass break up there. We're complete to Caleb Ducking for six, which makes it third and four. Then complete to Rufus Harvey for seven, which moves the chain first and 10. From the state 32, we go back to Rufus. It's incomplete. Second and 10, we're incomplete again, uh, which makes it third and 10. Third and 10, we are complete to Tulu for 12. First down. And I'm glad that he caught it because if he hadn't, they would have credited Kool-Aid McInnistry with another PBU. All right, first and 10, <clears throat> from the 44, we hit Austin Williams. And I like the fact that we're coming out with a little sense of urgency here. Again, we haven't quit. First and 10 now from the Alabama 45. We're complete to Rufus for five, which gets it down to the Alabama 40. And then Will Rogers' sack gets us behind the chains. And again, we could quit right here. It's third and 13. We could say, you know what? We're done. Instead, Will hits Justin Robinson for 19, who gets the ball inside the Alabama 30. Now it's first and 10. We go to Simeon, and they get him for a two-yard loss here. Second and 12, and we're incomplete to Tulu. On third and 12, we're incomplete to Justin Robinson. Eli Ricks uh, credited with the PBU here. 
And on fourth and 12, we go for it again. But it, again, we got off rhythm here. We get behind the chains. We run the football, trying to run up the middle here. Doesn't work out for – and, again, you got Dollar Bill in there that's about 80%. Stephen Lasoya got – I mean, again, it's not being critical of them. It just kind of is what it is. Against one of the best fronts in college football. And we get behind the chains. We don't connect on second and 12 because you get anything there and brings up a more manageable third down. You know you're going to go for it here. And we don't convert. But, again, another sustained drive. And another drive we don't finish. And against Alabama, you got to finish. Alabama takes over with eight or six to go. They run right for Jameer Gibbs. Again, one of his only big carries. I think he only had two double-digit carries in the game. This is one of them. First and 10, they go back to him on a, on a pass play for 13. And, again, when you look at what Jameer Gibbs has done in Alabama, it, it, you kind of understand why Jeff Collins got fired. I mean, honestly, if you have this guy at your disposal and you can't win more than three games, it's coaching. All right, first and 10, incomplete to Jameer Gibbs here. Second and 10, they go to Isaiah Bond for eight. Sean Preston with a nice lick there. Third and two, Jason McClellan runs off right side for the first down. First and 10, Bryce Young is sacked for a nine-yard loss. Bookie Watson gets free there. And uh, we, we brought two rushers off the edge to tackle, had to pick one. Either one of them was going to get there. And then on second and 19, we get to him again. Randy Charlton with a sack fumble, and Bryce Young and those guys get right back on it. But, again, I, I think it says a lot about your defense. Yes, the game is decided, but our defense is not playing as such. I thought we really played with some intensity. My hope is we can build from here because, again, I thought our defense showed some real you know, intensity here in the second half. The defense played hard. Third and 15. They try to check it down, and uh, Jordan Davis in his face. Uh, you know, three consecutive plays where the Bulldog uh, pass rush gets to Bryce Young. 36-yard punt is out of the state 10. And we just not get anything done on offense here. Uh, well, Rodgers is in uh, complete to Jaden Wally for five. We're complete to Woody for nothing. And then we hit Justin Robinson, but it's broken up again. It may not have been. I don't know. It's broken up again. Uh, fourth and five, uh, George Jaropoulos with the 42-yard punt. Kool-Aid fair catches it. I assume it was Kool-Aid. It could have been somebody else. You, you can't trust these statistics. Uh, at the Bama 43. Another good possession by your defense. Bryce Young incomplete to Ja'Cory Brooks. Jameer Gibbs in runs for two yards, brings up a third and eight, and then incomplete to JoJo Earl. And again, State played with some juice here. 41-yard punt, and then we muff it. And, I, and we had this discussion earlier. People were like, well, I don't understand why everybody was so hard on Austin Williams and not really so hard on Xavier Thomas. And I, I'll tell you why. There are two reasons why. Number one, Austin Williams, a six-year guy, muffed the punt with the 10-yard line in a game that State was leading. We're leading 13 with 13-7 to seven at that point. It effectively got LSU back in the ballgame. This game was over. This is also a true freshman out there. And yet, should he have muffed it? Absolutely not. I'm not going to in any way excuse the mistake. But the reason Thomas didn't get so rightly criticized is because this game was already over. And, you know, due to his experience, you, you expect some up and down, and I don't think Xavier's done a poor job. And I'm an Austin Williams fan. And I think Austin Williams will tell you, yeah, there's a reason why. You know, when, you, when you muff one inside the 10 in a one-possession game and you muff one when you're down four scores, it's a much different deal, or three scores, I guess, at this point. So Alabama takes over. And, again, the defense just you know, kind of refuses to yield here. Bryce Young completes to Jameer Gibbs for eight, which gets it inside the state 10. And then Jameer Gibbs 
rush for a loss of five yards here. Jed Johnson, a nice play here. They flag us for offsides. I guess too many good defensive plays in a row. Uh, third and two, they flag us for the face mask here. It, it appeared to be the right call. It did. Um, we had some face mask on Woody Marks earlier that wasn't called, but they did see this one. Brings up a uh, first and four. Incomplete to Cameron Lute. Uh, Latu, excuse me. And Preston breaks it up there. Sean Preston, while he had some, you know, a couple of busts earlier in the game, played really well down the stretch. Second and four. And it's a loss of 11. It's a bad snap. And that runs out the end of the third quarter. So Alabama, again, in control here, heading to the fourth, but they face a third and 15. Incomplete to Jermaine Burton. Again, no business on the football field at all. Sean Preston with the breakup there. Field goal is good. Now it's 27 nothing. I mean, everybody's ready to ride home safely now. And, again, the question is, is the state going to be able to score? We go back to Simeon Price. He runs at the middle for two. We check it down to Price, who gets three, brings up a third and five. We actually call timeout here. Play clock winding down. Third and five, we're incomplete to Tulu. And then we punt again, fourth and five. Uh, George Jeropoulos with the 40-yard punt to the Alabama 28. Alabama puts together a decent drive here. State keeps them out of the end zone. But, again, a nice drive here. Gibbs runs up the middle for seven. They run off left side for three. Incomplete to bind, which brings up a second and ten. Bryce Young then runs left for two-yard gain. Nathan Pickering on the tackle there. Third and eight. Again, some silliness here. They complete the pass down the field, and they flag Jalen Green for roughing the passer. If you don't think the elephants are a protected species in the Southeastern Conference, go back and watch this game. And, again, that's not why State lost the game. But that's a, that's the big rub, right? It's, you already know you're going to go over there and you have a difficult evening because the talent level is so much different. But then when you go over there and you, and you, you can't get a call either, I mean, it's like, why even bother? All right, first and 10, Gibbs runs for a three-yard loss. Colin Duncan on the tackle there. Second and 13, connect, connects there with Cameron Latu for 11 yards. In the red zone, third and two, Williams runs for a one-yard loss. They kick the field goal. It's 30 to nothing here. And, again, I'm happy with the intensity levels defense is playing with. Arnett did a good job challenging those guys. And, again, listen, I understand play calling's a little bit different in a 7-0 game and a 27-0 game. I get it. But attitude and effort are two things that are, should never be determined by the, uh, by the clock or the score. All right, first and 10, State begins the 25. We're complete to Rara for 13. Then we're incomplete to Justin Robinson. They flag us here for personal foul on Cameron Jones. Makes it first and 25. We're complete to Rara on the deep slant. Gives us eight. And then uh, Woody runs for six, brings up a, a third and long here, third and 11. We're incomplete to uh, Jaden Wally here. And then George Jeropoulos, 41-yard punt to the Bama 22. I'm ready for this thing to be over at this point, aren't you? But I wanted to see, hey, can we score? Can we at least get that monkey off our back? Jason McClellan runs for a three-yard loss. Roydale Williams and runs for a three-yard game, makes it third and 10. They're complete to Tyler Harrell for 12 yards. And this is Jalen Milrow in the game now in place of, uh, of Bryce Young. First and 10, Roy Dale Williams runs for one-yard gain and another one-yard gain. And then Jalen Milrow is incomplete to Christian Leary, broken up by Marcus Banks. The press box wanted 
pass interference called on this play. Maybe it's because it was Marcus Banks, or maybe because there's a sense of entitlement. I don't know. They wanted a flag. Anytime State did anything, there had to be a flag. There's no way that a guy from Mississippi State can make a play. All right, so State takes over here. This is your last offensive possession for either team. And granted, you got your first-team offense in. There's a lot of first-team defenders out here still for Alabama. Not a lot. They were kind of substituting some, but they still had some guys out here. They had some dudes. We're like we're playing against uh, 11 students from the from the uh, student section. All right, Willis then complete the Caleb for five, and uh, Henry Toa Toa with the tackle. Second five, Rufus Harvey will go to him. Jordan Battle on the breakup there, allegedly. Uh, third and five, we're incomplete to Ryra. On fourth and five, we go for it. We hit Rufus Harvey. And it just seemed to me at this point, you know, we, we weren't just ready to get it over. I think we wanted to go put a ball in the end zone. First and 10 from the state 39, we're complete to Rufus for five. He gets out of bounds. Good decision by him. Woody then runs for six, which moves the chains and stops the clock. We're out at midfield. We run Woody again, which I thought was interesting. Nothing against Woody, but due to the down and distance and the time left in the ball game, I don't know why we're running there. All right, second and ten, uh, we're incomplete to Caleb Ducky. On third and ten, we're incomplete to Ra-Ra. Malachi Moore, again, allegedly credited with the breakup. Brings up a fourth and ten. We go for it and we get it. And believe it or not, they flagged Kool-Aid McKinnistry for pass interference, but uh, Ra-Ra had it either way. I guess it's a safe penalty. When the, when the state guy catches the football, you're safe to go ahead and throw the flag. Oh, there's pass interference. If Ra-Ra hadn't made the catch here, I wonder if that flag gets thrown. I wonder. All right, first and 10, Will Rogers complete the Ra-Ra for 20. Now we're inside the red zone again. State calls timeout. Late in this possession, too, um, Nick Saban, you've seen the video out there. I know that some people are crediting you know, Nick for coaching hard. He was coaching the officials. Didn't work out, though. Uh, no huddle. Simeon Price then runs for nine yards to the Alabama eight, brings up a second. One clock is running here. They and, and we end up getting flagged for delay of the game after an incompletion. And like the, These are things that is, I, they just drive me crazy. It's second one. We're incomplete to Jameer Calvin. And then on third and one, we get a delay of the game. How can you get a delay of the game at this point? You're in, you're in hurry up. How do you get a delay of the game? Third and six, we're completed Simeon Price for nine. Now it's a first and goal with Alabama four. And again, the clock's winding down here. Uh, we're incomplete, and then they flag us for pass interference. They flag them for pass interference. And this is when Nick Saban loses it on the sidelines. And people are like, oh, look how he's still coaching to the very end. Give me a break. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Give me a break. All right, so first and two, we go to Ra-Ra, and I, I thought he got in, and maybe he didn't. But why wouldn't you review this? Well, you know, you see, well, the game's over. Okay, cool. Well, we don't get that courtesy. It never happens to us. I mean, you, do you not recall the ball game here a couple weeks ago, ago where they kept flagging, 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 flagging? When the game is decided, it's crazy. But anyway, we they don't review it. We have to hurry up and go. And we give it to Woody, who gets into the end zone, and the curse is broken, right? Not the big one. But we have finally scored an offensive touchdown in the air raid against the University of Alabama. Real quickly, let's look at the numbers here. Not much, not much to speak of, to be quite honest with you, with either team. You, you, you see these numbers, and you would think, man, 
pretty good competitive game, and it wasn't. We lost by 24 points. Alabama, 21 first down. State with 20. State runs for 62 yards. Alabama runs for 29. Alabama averaged 1.1 yards a carry. And a lot of those carries in the early part of the ball game, state defense all over them. Alabama throws for 261 yards. State for 231. When it's all said and done, state outgains them 293 to 290. And I point that out for the for the stat nerds out there. People are like, oh, we gave up all these yards to AM and Arkansas. The only thing that matters is points. We outgained them. We outrushed them. And we lost. It did it in no way whatsoever does it diminish the loss. Right? It didn't make it any easier to deal with. You want to feel even better? We actually had better uh, punting average, too. Does it make it easier to deal with? The only thing that matters is points. How many points did you score? Oh, yeah? Well, how many did they score? Well, was enough? Okay, you lost. Well, Rogers 30 of 60 for 231. Not a good night. Sacked four times. Bryce Young, 21 of 35 for 249. Decent night. Sacked twice. Jameer Gibbs from Alabama, uh, 10 carries for 37 yards. And, of course, the log of 19 on the touchdown. Outside of that, nine carries for 18, so two yards an average. And outside of that, Alabama did nothing running the football. Nothing. Jace McClellan, six for nine. Roy Dale Williams, six for seven. You're looking for a silver lining? Maybe that's it. Woody Marks ran 13 times for 53 yards and a touchdown. Averaged 4.1 yards a carry. Simeon Price, 8 for 36. Averaged 4.5. Receiving Rara Thomas, 8 catches for 73 yards. We need Rara to be explosive. Austin Williams, 3 for 46. Rufus, 5 for 34. Tulu, 2 for 24. Justin Robinson, 1 for 19. We'd really like to see him more involved. Defensive numbers real quick here. Boogie Watson led us with 10 tackles. Ty Wheat with 7. Sean Preston with 5. Jet Johnson with 5. DeCam with 4. Emmanuel Forbes with 4. Deshaun Page with 4. Also had 2 tackles for loss. Um, I, I look at these numbers, and it's amazing. Like, Alabama was credited with 15 pass breakups. 15. And maybe that's changed. Let's, see here. let's, let's do the math here. 2, 3, 7, 9. No, it hadn't changed. Eli Ricks credited with 4. Cloyd McIndustry credited with four and these quarterback hurries. I, I, don't even, I don't even care to look at all that. But uh, my point being, is State lost a football game to a better team. There's nothing to really feel good about other than the fact that, at least the next time we play these guys, we don't have to hear what Mississippi State hadn't scored, scored an offensive touchdown against these guys. Let's move on. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. Top ten list time as always. Blair Chandler is my friend, your friend. He is your friend in the mortgage industry. Top 1% close ratio in the country. Here the last two years consecutively. Works for Fairway Mortgage, recently voted number one in customer satisfaction. And maybe you're dealing with some drama in life. Maybe you have lived above your means. Maybe it's time to reset things. Give Blair a text or call today at 601-500-2344. Visit his website at closewithblair.com. Follow him on social media. You'll be glad you did. He's a Bulldog, season ticket holder in multiple sports, has a place here in town. Maybe that's the avenue you want to pursue. Maybe you've always wanted to have a place here. More on that later. But let Blair know, whether it be by text or email, phone call, whatever. 
You heard about him on the show. He'll pay for your appraisal. He'll keep some of those fees down. You'll be glad you reached out to closewithblair.com. Again, that's 601-500-2344. That's the number directly to Blair. Directly. That's his personal cell number, just between us. All right. So we are uh, at a critical juncture in the season, and uh, it's the pain of uh, the two-game losing streak, right? And now we have this extra week to kind of mourn and heal. And so there's a lot of pain. And so I thought, hey, let's do a top ten list, songs about pain. Let's do it. All right, number ten is actually one of my favorite songs on the list, but because it didn't have pain in the title, I moved it back. I could have done uh, House of Pain, right, the uh, jump around song. I don't feel much like jumping around these days, but uh, we're going to go with Hurt from Nine Inch Nails. A lot of people like the Johnny Cash version, and you're welcome to substitute that if you like, but Hurt from Nine Inch Nails, number 10. Number nine, we did do House of Pain, but House of Pain from Faster Pussycat. Great song. I've spoken to uh, Tommy Down about this song multiple times. Very difficult song for him to write, he told me. Took him years to finish the song. Number eight, and many of you have shared the meme that you're in a toxic relationship, Mississippi State football. I think that's a little bit self-loathing, but uh, in your honor, here is a pain that I'm used to by Depeche Mode. Number seven, a little more joyous song as we go back to the late 80s, early 90s. It's Rob Bass. It does take two to make a thing go right. In this case, it's Joy and Pain. That's your two. Joy and Pain from Rob Bass. Number six, a modern rock song. I've seen these guys live. Saw them in um, the Lander Center. Puddle of Mud didn't show up. So the band Chevelle played an extended set. Send the Pain Below by Chevelle, your number six track. Number five, another band that I love. They've had the second most ever number one rock singles in the history of the charts. It's the band Three Days Grace, and the song, of course, Pain. Pain. Number four, we're going to take a uh, step over to the uh, rap genre here. One of my favorite rap songs of all time. It's Method Man's Bring the Pain, much like your Bulldog defense did on Saturday. Good effort. Probably the only silver lining. That and Woody Marks and Sylvian Price. I thought that was the really the, the only real highlights for us, if there are any highlights in a 24-point loss. Uh, number three, it's the King of Pain by the Police. We ought to call the police on some of these officials. Number two, it's Bon Jovi, Center for the Pain. One, I, I love this song. I, I love this album. I didn't think I would. It, did, it didn't get the rave reviews some other albums did. I ended up buying the album anyway and really liked it. But Center for the Pain is great. But number one, for me, it's the Five Finger Death Punch classic, Sham Pain. It's all champagne. A toast to you now. That's our top 10 list today. Be sure and check them out. You'll be glad you did. Again, uh, if you're feeling in pain today because maybe the season's not quite gone the way you'd hoped, maybe this list is for you. We'll try to be a little more optimistic later in the week. But um, I don't feel as disillusioned as perhaps some other people do. It is frustrating that we can't be more competitive against Alabama. I'm not going to belabor that point. But that's your top 10 list today. Top 10 songs of pain. You can uh, check out these wonderful lists over on Spotify. Go to uh, Dogmatic67. 
And follow Roy on Twitter, too. Maybe send Roy your idea for the top ten list uh, today. And maybe we do it this week. We've got, we've got a healthy list, but uh, we're always looking for good ideas. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmark. I'll be signing there prior to the Auburn game. I don't know all the details yet. Speaking of that, you know, next week I'll be at Mistletoe Marketplace uh, in, uh, in the Jackson, Mississippi area. Maybe you're familiar and then I'll be there with uh, Auburn. And I'll, we'll do the Unwind event downtown. Got a, got a few things coming up. I had a really two, two really good days at Tupelo at the Celebration Village. Thanks to everybody that came out. Uh, some of you are getting a book of mine for Christmas. One young lady bought, uh, we sold out of Flim Flam. We had one, when I left, we had one Villains left, one Alpha Dogs, a couple of cases of uh, dog pile and a handful of uh, Bloomsville Yander. We did sell out of Flim Flam, and I suspect they, they sold uh, Villains and Alpha Dogs before they left. But um, some of you are getting those books for Christmas. I won't tell you who. But uh, Campus Bookmart, I love them. They will love you too. They'll love you back. Campus Bookmart, a great place to do business. When you're in town, go by and see their smiling faces. Conveniently located just off campus. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net and use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Shipping costs have gone up. The threshold for free shipping has gone up, but you're going to spend 75 plus anyway. All right, let's look at the uh, SEC Weekend Review. Uh, Tennessee Martin, guys, this game was over with basically as soon as it started. Tennessee really playing well. It was 21-7 after one and then 52-7 at the break. And then UT Martin wins the second half, 17-13. But a 65-24 final. Another good game for Hendon Hooker, 18-24, of 276 yards and three touchdowns. They even got uh, Milton in the game, too. How about that? They end up playing four quarterbacks in the game. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. And uh, Jalen Hyatt, big game for him. Seven catches, 174 yards, two touchdowns, along of 66. So Tennessee continues to roll on. Ole Miss at LSU. Now, I told you guys that I expected Ole Miss to take their first loss this past weekend. They did. It didn't feel like it in the first quarter, did it? I watched this game last night. Ole Miss comes out, and again, we've talked about this on the show and on the jeanspage.com message boards. You got to give Lane Kiffin and his crew some credit. They script out the first couple drives really well. And that running game, even without Zach Evans, was really good. They get up to a 14-3 lead. And then the next thing you know, it's a 20-17 game at the break. Ole Miss with a late field goal to pull back ahead. And from there, it's all LSU. LSU outscores them 28 to nothing in the second half. I, I did some research earlier today kind of talking about that. Ole Miss scores seven against Troy in the second half, three against Kentucky in the second half. They're shut out by Tulsa and LSU in the second half. As great as they have been scripting plays early, they have not been strong in the second half. A couple games they have been, give a little credit. But uh, in some, some of these games that have been a little more competitive, they have struggled in the second half after teams have made adjustments. So big win for LSU, 45-20. to 20. Uh, Ole Miss was uh, ranked in the top ten. They are no longer. Vanderbilt gives it a game. I, I, I lost the pick because I thought Missouri would win and cover, but Vanderbilt makes it a game. They lose 17-14, to 14, probably the last reasonable expectation for Vanderbilt. They're now 3-5. and five. 
uh, Missouri now three and four. They win. It's a 17 nothing game at the half, and Vanderbilt comes back with two touchdowns in the second half to make a game of it, but uh, we're unable to get any closer. But with you know four four minutes to go in the game, it's an 80 yard touchdown pass from Mike Wright to Gamarian Carter to make it 14 to 17, and uh, no closer. You know, good job by Missouri, kind of salting that game away. I don't think either team will win a game the rest of the way. And, you know, Mississippi State, of course, loses to Alabama. Kind of a crazy one out there, and I missed the pick. I said I thought the Aggies would win. South Carolina gets a big lead early on in this ball game, and uh, jumps out to a 17-3 lead. What do you say for Beamer ball there? And then A&M scores 11 points there in the second quarter to make it a 17-14 game. Now all of a sudden you think, okay, it sets up for an exciting second half. It was an exciting second half. Both teams score a touchdown there in the third quarter. So South Carolina enters the fourth with the lead and really a chance to kind of nurse this thing away. They get a nice drive and then finish it off with a uh, Marshawn Lloyd four-yard plunge to make it 30-21. The extra point is blocked. And then A&M kicks a field goal to kind of stay in it late. But it, for all intents and purposes, the game ended on that touchdown. They put together a long drive, kicked the field goal, don't get anything else out of it. Spencer Radler, just 12 of 25 in the ball game for 168 yards. Haynes King, 17 of 32 for 178, a touchdown and a pick. And then uh, Wegman comes in, 8 of 15 for 91. Devin Achain ran for 99 yards. He's going to be big this weekend uh, against Ole Miss, to say the least. Be awfully interesting to see how Ole Miss defenses uh, Texas A&M. Let's take a, take a quick peek ahead at what the schedule looks like. We'll, we'll of course, preview it in its, uh, in its entirety a little more in-depth uh, on Friday's show. But you have Arkansas and Auburn. That's going to be interesting. And then Florida at Georgia. That's your 2.30 CBS game. The 3 o'clock game is Missouri at South Carolina. Kentucky is at Tennessee. And then Ole Miss at, at uh, A&M. So a good weekend for us not to play because we're going to get some really good football to watch. I don't know where I'm going to watch, but I will probably start watching football as soon as my eyes open on Saturday morning and watch it until it's all said and done. But um, I think this could be an interesting week for the road teams in the league. I, I really do. What can Auburn do against this Arkansas rushing game? Can Florida keep it close against Georgia? Can Missouri upset South Carolina? Did you expect that? South Carolina now ranked 25. Kentucky at Tennessee. You know what Tennessee has done, but Kentucky does such a great job of making you play their game. Could be a fun one. And then Ole Miss, now ranked 15th against uh, A&M. And A&M really, really struggling in many respects. You, you need a home game. You need a game to get everybody up. But they're 3-4 and four now, 1-3 and three in the league. I thought A&M would be better. I really, I really, really did. I really thought they would be better. They have scored the fewest points in the Southeastern Conference. So you feel like, like if Ole Miss could get an early lead, A&M would struggle to catch up. They just do not play well from behind. And, and if you haven't noticed, Texas A&M, outside of the first game of the year against Sam Houston State, has not scored more than 24 points. 
I mean, just let that sink in for a second. You know, Jimbo is supposed to be the uh, quarterback whisperer and this offensive guru. And they can't score. They can't score against anybody. Couldn't score against App State. Really couldn't score against Miami. They get a defensive score to beat Arkansas. Couldn't score against State. Made it a game against Alabama. And then, you know, of course, they get down to, to South Carolina. And it's just too much to overcome for them. So, interesting game this weekend with Ole Miss, to say the least. For both teams, really. Ole Miss has struggled to, uh, to, to do things on the road. They, they've played in the friendly confines of Vault-Hemingway Stadium, and now all of a sudden it's time to go. I mean, you look at all this stuff, too. It's like Ole Miss has had two road games, two, until this past weekend. Against Georgia Tech was the first one, and then against Vanderbilt – and you begin to think, okay, number one, those are not hostile environments to begin with, and those teams are terrible. Georgia Tech now three and four. They've won uh, two of the last three since they fired Jeff Collins. And, of course, you know Vanderbilt's situation too. But um, Ole Miss goes into a real hostile environment, even though it was a day game at LSU and really struggled in that second half. And LSU pretty much dialed up whatever they wanted to do defensively. I didn't think the officiating – I told you I watched that game last night. I didn't think the officiating was good in that game either for either team. There was one play where Ole Miss is flagged for um, for roughing the passer, and he did not rough the passer. And there was a, another play late where LSU was flagged for something. I can't remember. It may have been a personal foul, and uh, it should have been offsetting. It was two guys, and they flagged one. But the reality of it is, is LSU was a better team, and it showed and uh, probably a game, too, that – LSU had to have. And it's so crazy when you start looking at this stuff. Could could LSU win the West? I mean, dare, dare we have that conversation? I think we should. It's for a couple minutes here. Yeah, Alabama's now 4-1 and one in the conference. LSU now 4-1 and one in the conference. And LSU hosts Alabama. If the Alabama team that showed up Saturday plays against LSU on the road without the benefit of officials... Could LSU beat Alabama? That's one of the things you got to think about. Could they do it? They are, they've already played eight games, so they only have four remaining. They have hold the tiebreaker over Ole Miss, and based on what you saw this weekend with that LSU running game, do you give Ole Miss much hope of beating Alabama? I'd say no. I think at this point probably the only team that could catch Alabama is probably LSU. They're off this week. They host Alabama, then travel to Arkansas, host UAB, and then travel to A&M. Outside of that Alabama game, what game won't they be favored to win? So if they beat Alabama, there is a good chance that LSU runs the table. It'll be a dicey game at Arkansas. It always is. But we had left the Tigers kind of buried for dead. And listen, it wasn't a great LSU team we played them. They've gotten better, and they got trounced by Tennessee. And then they kind of find their running game, and they put up 45 against Florida and then 45 against Ole Miss. They won't put up 45 against Alabama. But you begin to kind of look at this and say, you know what, LSU just kind of sleeping in the reeds out there. They could find a way to beat Alabama. They could be in Atlanta. It is absolutely crazy to think about that. And when you look at these offensive numbers, too, I mean, with the exception of the Auburn game, you know, they have done really well in conference when it's come to putting points on the board. 
and Tennessee, obviously. But you kind of get my point, is that when they get that ground game going, they're difficult to beat. And that's how it was for us. It took them three quarters to get it going. But once they finally got going, they were able to put us away. You know, State obviously, you know, played well enough to lead for three quarters and just couldn't finish the deal. But uh, is it now beyond the realm of possibility to think that LSU could win the West? I think when you look at the, the way the schedules go, it certainly favors the Tigers over the Tide. Alabama, of course, has to travel to LSU, then travel to Ole Miss. They should win that game, but let's be honest, it'll be rocking. It will be. And then, then they get Austin P. and then the Iron Bowl, and you never know what's going to happen there. But I would say that the schedule certainly favors LSU. I don't think there's any question about it. Just got to find a way. Got to find a way for LSU to make this thing awfully interesting. And, of course, now Arkansas, Auburn, and A&M, now all one and three in the conference. And you start thinking about the bowl pecking order in, in the West. You know, obviously, State needs to win some more football games. We've got four left. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in the show. But uh, when you start looking at this stuff, you begin to realize, you know, as bad as it feels to have two losses in a row, and State still has some difficult games ahead, you know, State should finish – in the top five in the West, if not a little bit better when it's all said and done, get a decent bowl game somewhere. But I'm still holding out hope for an eight-win season. And maybe that's a thin hope, but I'm still holding out for that. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by friends at Portico. You know, you know the friends at Portico? They're Bulldogs too. And they're trying to make Starkville an even better place to live. Brooks Bryan is my friend. He is your friend. He is a friend of Mississippi State, a friend of Starkville. Grew up just down the road in Philadelphia, Mississippi. So he, know, he knows us. He's one of us. Give Brooks a call or text today at 601-416-8075. Again, 601-416-8075. To get more information about Portico, you can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath and go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath. They've got a place for everybody. Whether you've got a growing family or maybe you're looking to downsize. Maybe, you've, maybe, you've, maybe your kids are gone now and so you know what? We don't need all this room. Portico's got a place for you. Conveniently located close to campus. 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. Turn off of 82 on a 12. The very first right is Pat Station Road. You go through that four-way stop and there's Portico on the right. You'll be glad you did. Be sure and go check it out. Portico. Make it your next move. All right, let's take a quick inventory of kind of where we are. I mentioned Alabama LSU. Ole Miss, 3-1 and one in the league and 7-1 and one overall. And it's inter- interesting, if I can get it out, how so many people are like, oh, Ole Miss is dead and buried. I don't know that I agree with that. I, I don't. I do think that Ole Miss has a difficult schedule, perhaps the most difficult schedule remaining in the conference. But I think it's going to be tough for us to catch them. Maybe we, maybe we do if we win the Egg Bowl. But this Ole Miss team is fixing to earn it. You know, they don't have an on-conference opponent left. They had one of the easiest schedules in the history of the game to start the season. Of course, at home against Troy, at home against Central Arkansas, they go to Georgia Tech, who's now fired their coach, at home against a very average Tulsa team. They win by eight. At home against Kentucky, and Kentucky's a good win. As much as I hate to say it, Kentucky's a good win. Kentucky gave the game away, but Ole Miss made the place to win. And then you're at Vanderbilt, and then you're at Auburn, and then you host Auburn. 
So it's like you finally get in a conference play, and two of your first three conference games are against the projected seventh-place team in the East and the seventh-place team in the West. You finally go play somebody on the road, and you get smashed. Now they got to go to College Station, and it's one of those games, too. This is a difficult pick for me, even though Ole Miss is a slight favorite in this game. It's difficult to go win on the road in College Station, no matter who you are, what you're about. And this is an A&M, A&M team that I think will be somewhat desperate. They've had some quarterback troubles. They've got Devin Achain, and Ole Miss did a good job kind of balling him up last year. What can they do this year? A lot of the complaints from the uh, Ole Miss faithful about the defensive front, running a three-man front. If you run a three-man front against A&M, I think it could be a long night. I think you've got to put in a wrinkle there and kind of make them throw the football. And then, of course, Alabama goes to Ole Miss. Alabama should be favored. I believe they will be favored. And then Ole Miss goes to Arkansas. And you know how wild an atmosphere Razorback Stadium can be. And then you've got the Egg Bowl in a short week. I mean, conceivably, you could see Ole Miss losing out. I don't think they will. Maybe they find a way to win a couple games, maybe end up 9-3. and And I think when you look at what they lost last year, I think you would consider that a very successful season. Not to mention all the turnover with the staff. It's possible. But they could end up 8-4. and four. They could end up 7-5. and five. They could. You saw they were 7-1. I mean, guys, I mean, honestly, look at this. You had two road games – to places you don't ordinarily play well. And then you got Alabama coming in and then the Egg Bowl. Not to mention, what kind of shape are they going to be in mentally? Let's say they drop the next three. Let's say they enter the Egg Bowl on a four-game losing streak. What happens then on a short week? Not to mention, they're about to play three very physical football games. They just played one, and they got beat up pretty good too. Jackson Dart was hit over and over and over again. A&M, a very physical defense. Maybe not the run defense we'd expected them to have. Alabama will be physical. Arkansas is always physical. And then you got to play state. So they're about to run the gauntlet here. And you think about, you know, could state catch them? You're, you're basically, what, a game and a half behind them. State's played five. They've played four. You know, so that's what they drop a game this week. You know, it's, it's conceivable you could catch them. But state's got to win some ball games. We talk about Arkansas. I think Arkansas has got a good schedule too. But, um, you know, looking at state – and kind of where we stand, five and three and two and three. And again, a lot of people projected State to be five and three at this point. It's still somewhat disappointing because we feel like we should have beaten LSU. And this Kentucky team, based on the circumstances at the time, Will Levis, of course, was banged up. They rode the running game, and we're a team that, that takes a lot of pride in stopping the run. As you saw, we did a great job against Alabama. Do you think Kentucky's running game is better than Alabama's? I would submit to you no. Not, and that's not the Kentucky's any slouch. Rodriguez is a stud. But I think we learned a little bit about how people want to attack us against Kentucky, and we did a better job against uh, Alabama as a result. But 5-3 and three overall, 2-3 and three in the league. We were hoping to get to 4-4 four and four in the league and win all four of our non-conference games to go 8-4. and four. Well, you know, that, that still remains a possibility. Let's just go ahead and give State the W against East Tennessee State. That makes you 4-0 in the non-conference. A lot of people expected State to drop one of those. Thought maybe it was Memphis, maybe it was Arizona. Now you get East Tennessee State. State should win that game handily. You just got to be able to get out of there and be healthy. All right, that makes you six and three. So can you find two out of three wins here? All right, you got Auburn coming in who has really struggled. And that's a home game. It's going to be a night game. That's a game you got to get. 
And then you've got Georgia coming in, sellout crowd, and Georgia's Georgia, right? So I don't, you don't expect to win that game? A lot of people are like, Steve, I just got a feeling. I, I don't. I don't have a feeling. I think the talent differential is probably a little bit too expansive for us. And I think the fact that we kind of carved them up a little bit offensively a couple of years ago, you know, Kirby and them will have a plan. So I think in many respects, State beats Auburn. That gives you another W. I think you lose to Georgia. You beat East Tennessee State. That makes you 7-4 and four going into the Golden Egg. So I think the 8-4, and four, and, and honestly, based on, the, you know, that murderer's road that Ole Miss is looking at, you know, this game could ultimately determine who gets a better ball game. And again, to be fair to Ole Miss, I mean, you know, if they took a step back and won eight games this year after winning 10 last year, after what they lost, you'd say, you know what, oh, okay. And I understand they invest a lot of money in the portal, but the, the reality of it is, is this could boil down to kind of a, an all the marbles type game between State and Ole Miss. A lot of people have suggested you know, that Ole Miss has kind of seized control of the state. Well, I, I don't know that I agree with that. I think a lot of that is because, you know, State's schedule has been more difficult to date than Ole Miss. And so now it kind of flips a little bit, not in any respect that, you know, State's going to get Central Arkansas or Troy, but at least you still have that FCS win in your pocket, and that comes on the short week, right? The week before you play Ole Miss, hopefully you'll be able to rest some starters, save some wear and tear on some guys as they have the quick turnaround. And then that same weekend, Ole Miss is playing at Arkansas. That's going to be a physical ball game. It always is. It likely always will be. And so I think you're looking at a situation now where both teams likely enter that game with identical records. Could be. I'm just saying. I mean, I'm just saying you could have two seven and four teams heading to Oxford. And so what happens then if State wins and Ole Miss loses and State finishes higher in the standings? Or, you know, let's say Ole Miss rolls into that ball game, you know, with an eight and three record. And then State wins. Well, then by virtue of the tiebreaker, State would have the higher standing in the ball pecking order. You have the same record, and then all of a sudden, your Mississippi State's trajectory is going up. A lot of, oh, they're just way ahead of us. A lot of football left to be played. I think that's important to understand. And this Ole Miss ground game is impressive. I mean, how can you not – you look at this Judkins kid. Everybody thought it was going to be all Zach Evans. The Judkins kid's been outstanding. Probably going to be a freshman All-American. The kid looks very polished, and a lot of people passed on this kid. And uh, give Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin and those guys credit for identifying him. But I think when you look at this, this could be you know, this the last month of this season, I think in many respects is going to bring State and Ole Miss a whole lot closer together than people realize, a whole lot closer together. And, we you know, we kind of start projecting, you know, for other teams kind of how the, the standings are going to go. You look at this Auburn team. I mean, you have three and four and one and three in the league. They host Arkansas, and Arkansas should win that game. They travel to Mississippi State. State should win that game. You got A&M at Auburn. Who knows, right? And then Western Kentucky at Auburn. Auburn should win that game, and then Auburn uh, travels to Alabama. But, you know, again, you're three and four right now. Can they get three wins out of these last five? I don't think so. 
I don't think they can. And the media, I think, got this right when they picked them. Let's say let's say they get Western Kentucky, which is not a sure thing, especially considering that's a week before the uh, the Iron Bowl. But you got to find a way to get three wins here. And you've got to play four SEC West teams. So they're going to have to do something they haven't done all season that's consistently compete with SEC Western opponents. Remember, their only win was a 17-14 gift from Missouri. So, yeah, State should win that game. I think Arkansas – again, Arkansas can be the meat tenderizer for us. I think they'll beat Auburn up a little bit, then they have to go on the road again – and so I think if, if you have to call it today, I think you have to say Auburn is probably a 5-17. and 17. At best. And that's a, 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 assuming they win the toss-up with A&M. So that has Auburn behind Mississippi State in the bowl pecking order. You know, Arkansas, I think, is interesting, as we kind of discussed last week. They could get hot here late. And I think they could be in a situation where they pass Mississippi State in the standings because of the fact most of the games that matter to them are at home. Arkansas is at Auburn off a of bye week. I say we have Arkansas to win, and Liberty's at Arkansas. That's a win. LSU is at Arkansas. That is probably, probably the game that matters most. And then Ole Miss is at Arkansas. And, yeah, Ole Miss benefits a little bit, too, from Arkansas playing a very physical LSU team. And then Arkansas is at Missouri to close it out. So the schedule very advantageous for Arkansas. You like them. I, you know, I, I do. I like Arkansas. Uh, and I think, you know, the, I think they've already had their midseason swoon, right? They were to talk to college football for a while. But, you know, they're four and three now with five to play. Let's say they get Auburn, they get Liberty. Let's say they lose to LSU, beat Ole Miss, and beat Missouri. Now all of a sudden you look up and these guys, uh, you know, hey, hey, things aren't so bad. I mean, you think right now maybe they're an eight and four team. I think that's fair. And because State's beaten them, you should get the better ball game. Depends on how things close out. But uh, again, Arkansas, I think, in a position to make a move up the standings. And then, of course, you've got A&M. We've talked about them. You know, in, where, what's their position in the West at three and four? Well, you can do no better than eight and four, right? So there's a good chance these guys finish behind Mississippi State in the standings too. And so I think worst case for State is your fifth in the West. There's a good chance the State's going to be, you know, fourth in the West. But, you know, I begin to kind of run through this stuff here, you know, Ole Miss at A&M, Florida at A&M, A&M at Auburn, UMass at A&M, and then LSU. I mean, when, if we're being honest about this, probably the most difficult game is the LSU game. But the Ole Miss game this weekend is awfully dicey. You know, but they're going to play some rushing offenses, and they have not been ex- exceptionally good in rush defense. But when you start running the numbers here and you start thinking they're three and four, can they get three of these five? It's an interesting question, right? What happens in College Station if they're not bowl eligible? You got to find a way to get three. I mean, you're not bowl eligible. You're you're looking up at a losing season. The good thing for those guys is they get four of these five at home. 
So we'll see how things roll out here. But uh, I think if you got to call it today, State should finish ahead of Auburn and ahead of A&M and potentially uh, tie with Ole Miss. And we'll see what happens at Arkansas. I, I, again, just kind of projecting here. But um, it seems at times like all is lost because we live in the big maroon bubble, right? It's like all we think about, we're so acutely aware of what happens with our programs. And you don't kind of – have any emotional investment in what's going on somewhere else, right? I think it's important to understand that. The, the, the league has been wide open this year for the most part, especially when you get out of the top two spots. We don't think this Bama team is quite as dominant as they have been. But how crazy would it be if we look up the first Saturday in December and it's Tennessee and LSU and Atlanta? To be quite honest with you, that sounds awfully tasty to me. Tennessee, LSU, rematch. You say, well, you know, Steve, they killed them. They did. But wouldn't that be good for the league? You know, Tennessee, of course, got a very physical game against Kentucky this week, and then they go to, uh, you know, go play Georgia. Of course, uh, you know, Georgia and Florida, interesting week this week. It's all interesting. Because now all the games begin to matter now that the pecking order has kind of been established. And you, you look at Georgia, you know, they, they have Florida this week and then Tennessee next week, and then they got to go on the road to play Mississippi State and then have Kentucky the next week. That's a difficult stretch. Going to be some very physical games ahead of Georgia. What kind of shape is Georgia going to be in by the time it gets startable? And, again, you know, State's going to need a lot of help. But the reality of it is, is that um, there's a little more intrigue here as we get ready to enter, you know, the Halloween season in the final month of the season. Very excited about where we are. And um, not happy with the last two weeks, obviously. But we have a chance to overcome that. We can let this little stretch define us or we can let it motivate us. I think the bye week comes at a good time. The open date, we get some guys back, get everybody healthy we got to go win some football games. And, again, you feel like you got East Tennessee State in your back pocket. You should be able to beat Auburn. Well, that makes you seven, right? That gives you seven wins. And you start, you know, running through this thing, and you start beginning to realize, you know, there, there's still some opportunities out there for us to get some things. And um, all is not lost. And, it's you know, in the beginning of the year, we say, hey, this is where we'd like to be. You're five and three right now. But again, you could be if, if if I had told you you're going to be seven and four ahead of the Egg Bowl and a chance to have the same record as Ole Miss with a win, you'd take it. And you need to win that game. Losing three in a row, I mean, that just you know that, that just decimates a fan base. And so, got to take it one game at a time, obviously. But um, basically, we can still meet expectations. The beginning of the year, I think we all said, man, if we can go eight and four and get the egg back, that's a successful year. And then, of course, you win the bowl game, gives you a chance to get a 9-1 season. And, of course, after we had the stretch where we beat Arkansas and beat A&M, people were thinking, man, nine wins are right there for us, and then we went and laid an egg at Lexington. But you try to be the voice of reason whenever you can be. You know, it's still – everything is still right there, kind of right where we need it to be. We just got to go take advantage of it. All right, if you had not done so, go to dogpilethebook.com. It is the holiday season, and uh, many of you have waited, thinking, oh, we got plenty of time. It's two months away from Christmas Eve. Two months away. So go to dogpilethebook.com. You can get signed and personalized copies of all my sports books there. That's 
Alpha Dogs, Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and uh, Dogpile. And I believe there's less, less than two cases of Stark Villains left. You say with Steve Hemmer in a case. I think it's, I think it's 16 maybe. So less than 30. So if you haven't gotten Stark Villains, you need to get it. It's going to go out of print next year. Uh, come back for a short run in 2024. Uh, so don't delay. I've had, I've had people come up to me and say, oh, I told my wife to get that book for me for Christmas, and she got a different one, or we didn't get it or whatever. Uh, and we've sold a bunch of dog pile here as of late. I think a lot of people last year were hoping to get it for the holiday season, maybe only buy books for Christmas. We've had a bunch of people that we sold uh, dog pile to last week. So, again, think about your friends and your family and uh, give them the gift of Mississippi State literature. Also had a good run here as of late on Stark Villain shirts. Go to StarkVillains.com. We had a young lady, as I shared with you, wore her shirt to class, and everybody wants to know where to get one. StarkVillains.com. And at least once a week, I have somebody say, Steve, where do I get the shirt? StarkVillains.com. Be sure and check it out today. Available in a multitude of colors and combinations. Well, that's it for today. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll have a good week and uh, we can get into Wednesday. And, you know, it's probably a good opportunity for the bulldog family to take a deep breath right take a deep breath and let's take an inventory of where we are where we're trying to get and of course you got that big game with georgia coming up there that many people penciled in and as a loss beginning of the year but the reality of it is we got a lot of football left to play we still have an opportunity to build on last year and uh listen we got to have will rogers and the wide receivers play a little bit better everybody sees that we all know this the week off will be good for them. Let them rest mentally, and let's get ready to go beat Auburn here a week from Saturday. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.